We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience. We're here. It's week one. We got rankings for you. Every position. PPR, if you're looking for my rankings, they're up on DKPlaybook.com. You can find them on my Facebook page. You hit the description of this video. Boom. All the rankings will be there. I do want to let everyone know if you want to get into a draw for 20 DK dollars, easy ways to do so. I say ways because there are multiple ways to enter these draws. Number one, smash the like button for the video. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section. You tell me, if Zeke does not sign, where would you rank Tony Pollard in the week one running back rankings? That's way number one. Way number two, subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast itunes stitcher spotify wherever it might be leave a five-star review draft king's handle and something nice about the show that's uh, i mean if you subscribe to the audio podcast i know people love watching the video version but the audio version is usually out like three four hours before the video version turns out video takes a bit longer to do than the audio version so if you want to get it right away you need that fix of the pme then the audio version is always going to be your best bet you can check out the time codes in the description in the comment section if you don't want to hear about any of this shit and you just want to jump straight into the rankings or you don't care about running backs only defenses hey we, we've made it pretty easy here for you also follow me on instagram at the pme and then heart one of the football photos that pops up there. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section. You, too, will be in the draw for 20 DK dollars. All very easy to do. Take, like, five seconds of your time, and, hey, you have a chance to win 20 DK bucks because the Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings Listeners League is open. It's already, like, you know, already has over 2,000 people in it right now. There's only 3,500 spots. So if you want to get into it, hit the description of this video or podcast. You will find the link to the PME DraftKings Week 1 NFL League. It's $15 to enter. Three maximum entries you can have, and those spots are filling quickly, so go get in it. Also, the previous shows that I've already done, Week 1 DraftKings pricing is already out. We did the break 
breakdown show with the guys from Daily Roto. If you enter the code the PME at Daily Roto, you get yourself 10% off one of their subscriptions. But we're going to do a re-up on Friday as well because, you know, a week later, some guys have been cut, some guys haven't. But generally speaking, I watched the show yesterday, and it's still pretty much in date. So we're, we're good to go. But there's obviously signings that could affect some of the stuff. So Friday's show is going to react to the main slate pricing. Uh, later this week, we'll have the pick show with Jeff Feinberg and Tim Andacust. We'll have a breakdown again on Friday of all the injuries, the DraftKings ownership, all that sort of stuff, plus a fun showdown contest with the showdown master himself, Colin Drew, for the Thursday night game. If you want to get in on that action right away. But I've wasted too much of your time here to break down. Actually, you know what? Jake from The Athletic, Jake Seeley from The Athletic, do you have rankings for all like standard half point and PPR up on the site? Yeah, not for week one yet. Week one, that is coming at midnight tonight, 12.01 a.m. Wednesday mornings on the East Coast, Eastern time. That's when mine come out about a day-ish after yours because you jump in that line. You, you're first in line. Kudos to you every single year, and that really helps. But, yeah, they'll be out there, but the week uh, one will be coming. Week one waivers is out today. Okay. Oh, week one waivers. Any sneak peek on who's on the week one waivers? Uh, the fact that Jamison Crowder is still not getting the respect he deserves is he's my favorite. Really? I, I did not realize that Jamison Crowder wasn't like unanimously owned across all fantasy leagues. I figured he would be. I guess, no. in, ten, I guess in 10 team leagues, maybe not, but yeah, I guess I, you got to remember some people drafted a little while ago. I do the same thing you do. I, we, we both do the same thing is that they have to be less than 60% owned on Yahoo. And it was actually quite surprising. And that the names that I'm scrolling, like I hear, I'll pull up there. I'll give a sneak peek behind the wall here. Just give you a couple names. Like I'm looking through and like DK Metcalf wasn't, 60% on uh, Jameson Crowder, Cortland Sutton, John Brown, uh, even some of the running backs like Jalen Samuels and Justin Jackson aren't even 60% on. That's kind of crazy. I always enjoy the waiver call. Mine will come out at midnight on Sundays, right after the Sunday night game, like it has been for the past eight years. Uh, because, you know, I'm first to the scene. That's why I'm constantly, I blame that on me being so terrible at these rankings and such. Because I'm always <laughs> the first one out. I can't just copy someone else's good rankings. I have to come up with them myself. It's horrible. But. <laughs> people always get into the trap just like well that guy's not available in my league it's like well i'm sorry man like i can't just do rankings for your league that's tough um so your rankings will come out every tuesday at midnight basically for the weekly rankings yes yes and mine should be out i believe tuesday mornings i get a day ahead of you jake yeah i know you get you get like i said you get in that line a little bit before i do all right, so a couple other things here. Besides the DK giveaways, the league, uh, the Gups Corner Super 7 contest. So if you go to gupscorner.com, it's $100 to play. Me, Feinberg, and Cust are all playing in it again this year. We're dead money, so come take our money. But the, the payouts are really good. Uh, it's $100 to enter. If you want to go play in the Super 7s, you're looking for a spread picks contest. Uh, that's the one that I highly recommend. It's the only one that I play in. So if people want to go do that, gupscorner.com to go check that out. And... I think that's everything. If you want to get into an annual membership for the fantasy golf season, fantasynational.com has the annual plan going on right now. It's highly recommended. Again, for the second straight year, almost $2 million worth of DK winnings by members. So that's always something to check out. But I got winners for 20 DK bucks. Jake, would you like to hear them? Am I on the list? You're not on the list. No, I'm sorry. You didn't enter, sir. (laughs) Not thumbs up in your video. That doesn't help me. Well, you didn't you didn't enter the contest or your yeah, giveaway. That's true. Yeah, so you I didn't know. leave your handle. All right, so here are the winners. Well, we have we have JSWI Heart Six. That's one. UVA Wahooligan is another one. W Max Tubasu Papa Hoffa seventy eight Stubear twenty one ACB three DD 
No, D. Deloria, Lefty Clutch, Log Dog 21. I like that one. Ty94, D. Delahav, 165, T Bone, 4532, A. Mormon, K. Rich, 25, and Peter. Dot Eastman, 31, are all the winners of 20 DK dollars. <laughs> Was well, one of those just A. Mormon? It's like A. Mormon. Uh, it's not like it. it's, it. it's, it's, it's no, it's not like a Mormon. It's not just some dude from okay. Utah. <laughs> okay, I don't, I, that would have been great. I would have loved if some dude just put his name as a Mormon. I, it, there's no spaces. The thing, I, although Peter Dot Eastman figured it out with the dots. You know, on Gmail, that if you put the dots in your name, those don't do anything. What do you mean they don't do anything? Like, like if, they don't. Like if your if your email address was like Jake Dot at Gmail dot com, uh, that's yeah. no different than Jake Seely at Gmail dot com. So if you typed it in without the dot, it would still go to the same. You would still get the email. By my understanding, yes. Oh, this is something I didn't know. I, I, what, what was the point of the dot anyway? I don't know. I think people just did it because they thought they were distinguishing themselves. Yeah, whatever. Just put a five at the end of it. Five? That's the move. Just always five. <laughs> five or eight. That's the numbers I always use. You see, you should always just use sixty-nine, man. Like you got to <laughs> pretend like you're in grade ten. Oh, yeah, like Greg Ten or, Gre- or Gronkowski retiring from football and being cool and be like, I might come back, and then everybody hates Andrew Luck for the same thing. I, I don't get it. Yeah, all right, let's get into these rankings. Running back rankings for week one. I posted them up on DK Playbook already, but, hey, we'll, we'll go through them right here. The guys that I have is questionable to play. Uh, they're probably going to play, but Derrick Henry with his calf injury, Kenyon Drake with his foot are two to watch out for, Ezekiel Elliott and Melvin Gordon not in the rankings as they are not currently with their roster, so it's hard to perceive them playing. Number one in the rankings, I have Christian McCaffrey at home against the Rams, then Kamara, Barkley, Gurley, Delvin Cook, David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Chris Carson, James Conner, Leonard Fournette, into Nick Chubb, Tony Pollard, Fantasy Pros will be ranking Mark Ingram for me. This year, uh, he is at number 13. on Johnson, Joe Mixon, Devonta Freeman, Josh Jacobs. I feel like that's the cutoff. After Josh Jacobs, after 17, like you're probably starting all 17 of those guys. And then you can start making cases for everyone. I got Eckler at 18, Sony Michelle, and then Philip Lindsay to round out the top 20. First of all, I want to talk about this Pollard situation as it pertains to Ezekiel Elliott. Let's say Zeke signs on Wednesday. What does that do to his ranking and Pollard's ranking for week one? I always say this because I don't know how much Zeke would actually play in week one if he were to sign sometime midweek. Uh, see, that's really something I don't know that we know because if Ezekiel Elliott's been in shape and in shape and practicing, but you know he keeps making these trips to Cabo. So I don't know how in shape he is, how game shape ready he is. But if he signs, he's out there for week one. Probably not the 80 to 90% workload Ezekiel Elliott, but he's still out there for week one. He would still be in all of my lineups. There's no way I'm benching Ezekiel Elliott if he's actually signing on this team. I don't think they would give like Tony Pollard the majority of the touches, but I think it would be the one week where, because it's a short week, because he's only signing on Wednesday or today being Tuesday, whenever it happens, he hasn't been with the team. I don't see a full workload, but at Zeke... 14 touches, 15, 16 touches against the Giants. And granted, they've made some improvements, but it's still the Giants' defense. You have to start Zeke. There's no question in my mind. Pollard would probably fly, fly into, like, flex play. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be, you'd probably end up having to play both of them. But I think that, like, if it was me with Elliott right now, I'd probably throw him into that, like, Joe Mixon mid-teens range and drop Pollard yeah. to, like, 29-30. That'd be at least my initial take, not knowing the circumstances, because they're not real as of now. Yeah, that's that's sounds like a good range. I would say I'd even put him. To be honest with you, I know you never want to rank him, but 
if I had the choice and I could only start one and I know Mark Ingram is facing the Dolphins, I would still start Zeke. If, like, if I could only start one, I would still start Zeke. Imagine starting Mark Ingram ever. That would be horrible. <laughs> Horrible. He's facing the Dolphins. How could you not? Fa- I want you to make one DK lineup with Mark Ingram in it. No, that, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I stick to my word. This is why I lose all the time, Jake. <laughs> uh, I think it would be great. I'm going to have Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingram stack somewhere. I, I, I just don't understand how that plays itself out. Like, if Lamar Jackson's going to throw to a running back, it's probably going to be Justice Hill, I would imagine. That not that much. Maybe, but uh, if he's going to throw to like one of them that's back there, it's not going to be Gus Edwards, the <laughs> Gus bus. He doesn't catch very many passes that it just feels like pairing Lamar Jackson with his running back doesn't make sense. Cause if you want to have Lamar Jackson at his peak, he's throwing a few touchdowns, but ideally he's running in those touchdowns near the goal line, thus rendering the running backs inert. Yeah. But at the same time, you could do that for the first three quarters and then just give the rock to Mark Ingram 17 times at the end of the game, because they're just destroying the dolphins. I'm not saying it's an idea. You're right. I, I mean, it was partly tongue in cheek was what I was saying for the fact of doing it in a DK lineup, but I can tell you it'd be very different. Yeah, it's true. Unless people are just all in on Baltimore, which they might be this week. We'll get that on Friday when we talk about the ownerships. But uh, the top 17 that I have finalized with Josh Jacobs, I know it's a tougher matchup, but I do expect him to have a very high volume game and catch passes out of the backfield. So I think that kind of separates him from the rest. Would those be the 17 guys that you would think of as sort of like the quote unquote workhorse guys that... You can make cases to bump them down because of bad matchups or elevate other guys who are in shares because they have good matchups. When I'm thinking about volume, those are the 17 guys that I'm kind of in on. I think that's fair. I think you could throw in another name or two as an argument for the conversation. But, I mean, those are the 17 guys that are, like, kind of locked in. And I'm glad that you have Josh Jacobs in that mix because I know a lot of people out there are still concerned about him just as a general standpoint. And, of course, as you mentioned, this matchup's not – actually, the Oakland first couple games matchup-wise for the offense is not very appealing. Well, I'll tell you this much right now. I have Josh Jacobs on every fantasy team I have. So there is a 100% (laughs) chance he sucks. (laughs) I wish you would have let me know that before I campaigned for him all (laughs) offseason. Austin Eckler is at 18. Obviously, no Melvin Gordon as of right now. And we don't even know if we're ever going to get him at all this year. I don't love this matchup. I mean, it's a situation where he's going to be the lead back in that backfield uh, with Justin Jackson still splitting some time. At least that's how we project it right now. 18, you know, he's playable if you drafted him, but I didn't want to go crazy with him and like over rank him because I still think this Colts defense is actually pretty good. The Colts defense is pretty good, and that's something that we talked about on the one show when we were talking about Andrew Luck being the fact that he's now out, and it's not just the fact that the Andrew Luck taking him out of the offense hurts the offense. It's the fact that they might just lean on the run and the defense even more, which is not saying like they weren't trying to lean on the defense earlier, but the defense was going to be a factor and possibly the offense not having to be as pass happy this year. So I'm with you. I think that this is, it's a matchup. You have to start them. And, you know, looking at your rankings, to be honest with you, I would feel better about I'd actually for my personal rankings. I have David Montgomery higher just because you talk about volume. I really believe if you look at last year, Jordan Howard had 270 touches with Tariq Cohen getting his, and he's a better running back. And this team has already said they're probably going to pull back on Tariq Cohen to give David Montgomery more work. I think David Montgomery is not quite locked into like I, he's just on that cusp of those 17 for me. Like, I, I mean, he's in that next group cause he's just not a hundred percent trustworthy because maybe they shock us all and they've been lying the entire time. And he, you know, Mike Davis gets seven carries or something, but I believe in my heart that, I, that David Montgomery's talent and the usage is going to win out there. 
that is a situation that I'm just going to play wait and see on. I'm with you. I can certainly, that's fair. I, I can certainly see that circumstance coming down. I know people love David Montgomery this year. I'm still a Josh Jacobs guy at heart. However, it's a situation where if game flow goes awry for them, let's say the Packers get up like 10 nothing, then you might see more Tariq Cohen than probably you were thinking. And just in a neutral situation, you might see more Cohen. But if things go badly in terms of game script, I don't know if it writes out David Montgomery. I actually don't think that's going to be the case. But if we're thinking about like a workhorse type of back, I could see the final snap share being like 55-45. And if that's the case, I mean, so I, I still have him at number 24. He's a running back, too. You start David Montgomery, at least in my mind. But I can see where the situation goes very poorly for him. Well, see, I actually think he gets a little bit of a boost in PPR compared to non-PPR for some of the guys that are right around here. Like, I know they're talking about Sonny Michelle getting used more in the passing game. I believe it more for David Montgomery than I do Sonny Michelle just because it's James White. And as of today, everybody's healthy on that team. Well, Damian Harris is still a little nicked up, but Damian Harris wasn't going to be a major factor just yet. But you're talking about everybody on this team. I just feel better to your point. Last year, Tariq Cohen, like a matchup against the Packers, like we're looking at for Thursday night, was, oh my gosh, it might be 60% Tariq Cohen because they're playing from behind the entire time. Again, Jordan Howard last year, 20 receptions. I think David Montgomery could easily double that, and I don't think he's going to come off the field as much. But you're right in your point that if it is, they're down by 10 immediately. It would be a lesser share for David Montgomery than it would be if they were up 10. Yeah, and we just still deal with the circumstance that we just don't know what this share is going to be. I mean, we could walk walk out and it's 85% Montgomery and I look like an <laughs> idiot. Something I'm pretty used to at this point, but I still do have that concern. I'm a bit pensive well, when it hell, comes to the, that. But I, I, I don't the, uh, but I don't really care about the Sony like I Sony Michelle could have zero receptions this year. I don't really care, but his touchdown equity in that offense is just so high. <laughs> It is. I just every single week, I'm just scared that he's going to come out of the game with a knee injury. Like, like, look, you're right. He's potentially on the. Remember Legarrette Blood a few years ago? I mean, there's a non-zero chance this dude has 15 or 20 rushing touchdowns. Yeah, and that's why I continued to rank him not like super highly amongst like the elite guys, but enough. Like, if you just told me of all the guys in this middle range, whether it's Eckler, Lindsey, or even James White. I mean, James White is there strictly for receptions. Tevin Coleman, Duke Johnson, Miles Sanders, Aaron. Jones, if you told me all those guys and only one of them scored a touchdown this week, I'd bet on Sony Michelle. Well, and here's the thing: let's let's be honest about it. For all the love that Chris Carson's getting recently, Chris Carson has got a backfield where Rashad Penny should see more touches and more work this year in a run-heavy offense. The Patriots have become one of the more run-heavier offenses in the league, and it probably t- takes a little bit of a step back with Josh Gordon now in the mix. But still, it's not like they have a bevy of weapons compared to last year, which you know had Gronkowski and all that type of stuff. For everybody like going gaga over Chris Carson, why isn't Sonny Michelle right in that same exact conversation? Because both of them have pretty much the same usage. And honestly, both are going to be used more in the passing game this year, even if Chris Carson is used more than Sonny Michelle. Even if he gets twice as many receptions as Sonny Michelle, the touchdown upside is much, as you mentioned, much greater with Sonny Michelle. So I don't see how they're not in the same conversation. I don't know why people are putting this huge 10 player gap between the two of them. I, I guess my reasoning for it to have Chris Carson, I believe I have number eight or number nine this week. I really like the matchup this week against the right. Bengals as gigantic I favorites in at general. home. Oh, in general, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I feel like people just want Chris Carson to be better. I'm one of those people. And that there are just more options in for the Patriots to... Like, yeah, I would say that Sonny Michelle is the most likely to score a touchdown, but he's also more likely to get, you know, just 
some just scumbagged at the goal line by James <laughs> Devlin as well. Or like all of a sudden Rex Burkhead's in the game. I was going to say Rex Burkhead. Is remember the fifth round pick? Rex oh yeah. Burkhead oh, from oh, last year? I, I, I remember, but at least with Chris Carson, it does seem like it's Carson and it's Penny in that backfield. Maybe you get some CJ pro sites into the mix, but at least when he is healthy based on their usage from last year, if they do like him just catching passes out of the backfield, even if it's two, three, a game, whatever it might be, at least to get those opportunities, it's just kind of like icing on the cake that elevates Chris Carson. Like he's still, if he caught zero passes, even in PPR based on his profile, the way that that team runs and his usage near the goal line, which seems to be very, very consistent, uh, at least over the past, you know, the end of the two years ago, into last year that I still think he'd be like the 15th best running back if he didn't catch a pass all year. Right. And, and that's certainly fair. I mean, but you can say that about both of them. Maybe it just seems like there are more options for Michelle to go wrong. Like, especially in, as it pertains, like, like coming into the draft rankings, like if Damian Harris is just better than Sony Michelle, like I, I wouldn't be surprised if Belichick just pulls the cord, like, Oh yeah, Sony Michelle, you don't play anymore. It's like, Oh, okay. That sucks. <laughs> I don't think we have to go down that road, but uh, like, look, if that ha- oh, there, there's another non-zero chance that that's a potential situation because it is Belichick. Heck, there's a situation where Damian Harris is the lead. Rex Burke has a significant factor and all of a sudden Sonny Michelle's on the sidewalk with Jonas Gray. Oh no. See, this would be, a- I just want James White to be good. Can that be a thing? Just continue to have him be good. A, the, here's the problem. We should probably have all jumped off that shit because everybody is finally on the James White bandwagon. And that's usually when things go wrong in the Belichick offense. I see. I don't find that everyone's really on it. It feels like people want to be on it, but they don't have the commitment but to still actually. Hesitant. Yeah, like we talked about the draft recap last week. We still have all that stuff, like from last week. If you're still doing like your preseason draft, I'm still updating my rankings for that. If you're doing a draft on you know, Wednesday night or Tuesday night, whatever, you can find all that stuff. And the last time that Jake and I spoke, we addressed a lot of this. But in the draft recap that I did, he was the first pick of the sixth round in a 12 team PPR. Like, even if he sucks, like, that's not even wasted draft capital. You know what his upside is. If he's just as good as he was last year, he's the, like a top round, third round pick. And hey, like, look, that's certainly fair. But, you know, this is the risk with these, these type of running backs. Yeah, so just continue to catch passes, James White. Continue uh, everything that you do. Back to Eckler for a second. So on one hand, I'm worried about Russell Okun and him not playing and this entire Chargers offensive line that maybe we're overrating the Chargers offense a little bit. So I was going to bump him way down. I can be like, you know, he's a fringy guy, like a flex at best type play in week one. But then I started thinking like the Chargers throw to their running backs, the second most of any team on first and second down that maybe even if he can't get it going on the ground, that he just backdoors his way into like six, seven catches. Cause that's the only option that they have that I felt like 18 was a fair ranking in PPR in standard leagues. I'd be worried though. Uh, see in standard. And I don't, I'm not even that concerned in standard because yards are still yards. My biggest concern for this offense, because of what you're mentioning about this offensive line, is actually the piece, the passing game downfield. Like now, I'm starting to get a little bit concerned for Mike Williams, and obviously, if Travis Benjamin, if you're in a deep league, or we've talked best balls before, which we always hate, like oh, everybody's great in best ball, everybody's has value in best <laughs> ball. But I think that Mike Williams is the only one I'm a little bit concerned about because Keenan Allen does do a lot of intermediate work. Hunter Henry is obviously going to be in that range, and to be honest, if they're trying to get the ball out quick, to your point. And they already have passed a ton to running backs in general, let alone the concerns with the offensive line. I understand he probably takes a little bit of a hit in non-PPR, but I don't think it's as big as people are going to make it just because yards are still yards. If it's 60 yards receiving and only 30 rushing, it's still 90 yards. Like that's, that's the real upside here. And I think that 
when you look at this, it maybe makes me feel a little less confident as Justin Jackson as a flex play, because while I do think it is a complete timeshare of like a 60-40, if not a 55-45 split, I'd rather just have the guy that I know that's going to be on the field more potentially for those pass catches that you're talking about. So I like Eckler as an RB2. I'm a little hesitant on Jackson. Basically, it's Eckler, Henry, Keenan Allen, and that's probably the most confidence I have. I'll still starting Mike Williams in most leagues, but Mike Williams, Travis Benjamin, obviously, and then Justin Jackson. Now I'm a little bit hesitant, to your point, because that offensive line is looking horrid. I can see Mike Williams just retaining his value if he does emerge to be the red zone presence that I think a lot of us hope that he can, that maybe he's one of those guys that's a big, like, five for 74 most weeks, but he's going to catch a lot of touchdowns, and that makes up for it, that he's not going to be overwhelmingly peppered with targets over and over, but he gets high leverage targets. Like, I think that, as it pertains to Justin Jackson, that if you don't think that he's going to be the goal line back or have the potential to steal a touchdown, that he's not really worth playing this week. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing is for Mike Williams, to your point, I agree with you. I actually still have him leading this team in touchdowns, but it's relying on those. Like, do we ever really want to rely on touchdowns? I mean, you can look at the flip side. I mean, the perfect example last year is Anthony Miller catching seven touchdowns. And (laughs) touchdowns are wildly unpredictable. So, yes, it should be, and that's where he should help retain his value. But to your point, again, with this rushing and Justin Jackson on the flip side, if you're talking about the 45, even if 40, let's say 45, it's almost half, even like 50. If he's not going to be what you just said, the goal line back, which is probably going to be Austin Eckler. And they might even mix other people in there just, just in general to get that power. Uh, if he's not going to be that, if he's not going to be the Mike Williams, you know, t- throw it up to him because Hunter Henry can do that too. There's just like, where is the touchdown where if Justin Jackson only gets your 40 yards. So that's, I agree with you on that, but for those, all those reasons. Tony Pollard, I have ranked at number 12 without Zeke in the mix right now. Is that too high? Is that too low? Or is that just right against the Giants? I think it's a little bit too high only because it's not even so much the matchup, but it's the fact that if we go back to Tony Pollard in college, Tony Pollard had opportunities and was passed over and passed over and passed over and passed over as in part of a mix. And he was always like, I think his peak was 120 or so carries in a season. He's just never been that guy. And sometimes that's telling, yes, he's looked good, really, really good so far. But there's a lot of running backs that look look really good in the Cowboys offense behind that Cowboys offensive line. I mean, you can draw the comparison to, hey, Damian Williams, who had failed and not done anything until he got to the Chiefs, looked really good in that offense. But he's still Damian Williams. Now, uh, it sounds like I'm making both arguments against each other. But the point is, is, yes, Tony Pollard can be better than who Tony Pollard can be on many teams with the Cowboys. At the same time, I don't think he's going to get... 20 plus touches guaranteed because Zeke is out. I still think Alfred Morris would get some. I still think the guy, I forget his name, that they just pulled off a practice squad probably only gets like three or four, but I don't think it's going to be a Tony Pollard workhorse game because that's just not really who he's ever been. And I don't think he profiles as that. So it's a little bit high for me, but he's basically a must start. If Zeke is out, he's a must start. Pollard or carry on Johnson. Uh, I'll take carry on Johnson because he's facing the Cardinals. Okay. Would you go Pollard or Joe Mixon at Seattle? I'd still take Mixon. I'm, I'm going to take the, the elite running back that I trust, even in a bad matchup on the road over somebody that's stepping into granted a great offense, but I'd still take, I'd still take Joe Mixon. So Pollard or Devonta Freeman against the Vikings. I, I would still go Pollard there. That's where I, that's about coin flippy for me. So yeah, that's Tony Pollard's okay with me in that opinion. All right, so I'll, I'll drop Pollard below Mixon. How about that? Does that, that work for you? That sounds good to me. That sounds good for me. you. All right, D- ranks updated. There we go. <laughs> 
Let's talk about this Kansas City situation. Uh, Obviously, Carlos Hyde gets cut. He goes to the Texans. We'll address that in a second. But LaShawn McCoy now signs with the Chiefs. So we have Damian Williams. We have LaShawn McCoy. And poor Darwin Thompson is still back there. I still recommend holding on to Darwin Thompson. Like, if any of these guys emerges as the one, whether it be week three, week 11, whatever it might be, they're in like they're so valuable to have running back one in chief's offense that it is worth holding on to the spot unless you have to make a move. That would be my recommendation. That's what I'm doing with my Darwin Thompson shares, but it does look like LaShawn McCoy is going to play in week one. So I have Damian Williams as the lead right now. Uh, I think that he is the better play in week one. We'll see how this goes. I have him ranked at number 21. I don't feel good about it, but I'm still feel like you're leaving a lot on the table. If you bench Damian Williams, even at Jacksonville, it's still a nice spot for the guy who's going to lead the best offenses backfield. <laughs> yeah. So let me kind of circle back and come back to Damian Williams, the Darwin Thompson thing. I'm with you. And actually in the waiver column, I always put the people you can drop uh, and basically send to the trash pile. And da- look, Darwin Thompson's there, but it's with the, it's with the caveat that says I would do everything possible not to drop him. However, some of the names I threw out to you before who are fewer than 60% owned, I would drop him for Jamison Crowder. I don't want to drop him because, to your point, Darwin Thompson could be the lead option by week four. Like, there's a serious scenario where he is, but it's not now. And they brought in LaShawn McCoy. And for now, in the Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid offense, we'll talk about, like I said, Damian and LaShawn in a second here. He's maybe looking at four or five touches a game. He is droppable. I don't want to, but he is droppable if there's that kind of level talent out there. I'm not dropping him. Like, if you want to drop it, people are saying, do you want to drop it for the goon or with Stifler? I I could see it, but I'm not necessarily fond of doing it. That's where I kind of, like, draw the line. But, like, a Crowder and stuff like that, I think you have to. To your point about Damian Williams, I'm with you. If nothing else, there is a chance that, obviously, LaShawn McCoy takes over this backfield. When, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs offense rejuvenates his career because Kansas City Chiefs offense just made Damian Williams look great last year. That's the scare. That's what we're all worried about. That's what we're all scared about. But as of for week one, you saw the press conference for Andy Reid. He said LaShawn McCoy is coming into an offense that he's somewhat familiar with but still needs to learn it because there has been a lot that's changed since he was with the Eagles. So he said, you know, work his way in. I think that tells us Damian Williams, at least for now, is still the starter. LaShawn McCoy is going to get some touches. I'm with you. I think around 20-ish, mid-RB2 is a right spot to have him for the matchup, for the concern. And I, honestly, you're right. We're all scared because we could come into this game and all of a sudden LaShawn McCoy gets the 15 touches, Damian Williams gets seven, and Darwin gets four. And then, then LaShawn McCoy is the most valuable. It's funny because people get very upset. Like, oh, I spent a second round pick on Damian Williams. And it's like, well, I mean, if there's one thing that I underranking him actually worked out well for me this year because I was just hesitant on his skill set to begin with, and it could still turn out to be a fantastic pick if he's just the guy. Like, in a situation like this, no one knows. It doesn't even seem like the Chiefs know what they want to do. So it's impossible to predict. So you kind of have to play your percentages on this. I have LaShawn McCoy for week one at number 39. That's in the range of. Uh, just behind Chris Thompson, one spot ahead of Royce Freeman and Justin Jackson. Like, that seems like a decent spot. Like, even a, even if he gets nine touches in this game, in that offense, that could be enough to, like, be a flex play, potentially. But it, it could also be zero be. points. <laughs> it, it definitely could be. I think that's a fair spot to have him. I mean, I'm not – the only thing I would change me is I would actually have Chris Thompson, LaShawn McCoy, then Deion Lewis. But, I mean, that's nitpicky. And I think that's a really good spot with where you put him. Because, like you said – the situation here is it could be 20 or zero. Like that's the range of outcomes from LaShawn McCoy this week. Uh, was there anyone inside the top 20 that you felt was overranked or underranked? Basically, and if people are new to the show, longtime listeners and viewers will know this, like 
once we talk about like those top 17 guys, like the workhorse running backs, those are the guys you're going to start. Like if I have David Johnson ranked above Le'Veon Bell, but for some reason you have both of them and you don't want to start both of them, like do whatever you want. Like they're all good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, do we, okay, do we sleep on Fournette coming into the year, by the way? I actually, to be honest with you, I, I'm getting a decent amount, or have been getting a decent amount of Leonard Fournette. I think even my projections is because I have him as RB13. And he's one spot in front of Chris. This is half point PPR too. It's Josh Jacobs, Fournette, Chris Carson, Devontae Freeman. And it's mostly because he's healthy right now. And that's, you know, look, I made the joke as much as anybody else is said, go get Rock Armstead everywhere because Leonard Fournette's not playing 16 games. But the truth is, if he even plays 14, he's been a volume guy to begin with and should see better production on a per touch basis, yardage and rushing the ball wise, because this offense should be better. Nick Foles, they almost made a Super Bowl with Blake Bortles. This, this offense should be better and has already looked better. So I think Leonard Fournette, to some degree, yes, has been slept on. Okay. So yeah, again, if those are the guys inside the top 17, put them whatever order you want. You're probably just playing those guys. It's the after that, that because you could have like drafted Tony Pollard late, not knowing, and you drafted Damian Williams in the second round. I would just have no problem starting Pollard over Williams this week. Like that's just what happens. Like don't ever think about the draft once the season starts. That makes no sense. Even as it pertains to no. trades, like you can try to rook people based on like value of where you drafted them. But if you get hung up on how much you paid for a player or the draft cap, capital that you spent on him like you're destined to come in last place <laughs> sorry i was too busy laughing at you remind me of uh, austin powers with your value <laughs> <laughs> i can start doing sorry. bad british accents i'm not gonna lie to you <laughs> could you could you, I, could you? I, I, I could oh i only have like the cockney like and i freshen your drink governor and that's more of my british style accent aren't those like that isn't that the accent for like like british bums like people on the street yeah. Okay. I think so, at least. That, that's my uh, understanding. <laughs> just offended like half. Of uh, so I don't know how big the UK contingent is. And frankly, if you're dead on, then it's probably not them watching the show. Um, Day or Duke Johnson, sorry, and Carlos Hyde. I don't expect Carlos Hyde to really do much in this offense. He might pilfer away a few carries. Like, he's not going to step in and be the workhorse probably i mean we're always wrong about this stuff but at least against the saints week one it does feel like duke johnson's in a very nice spot even if the texans are full go with hopkins and stills and fuller and cutie who has a chance to play i still think duke johnson is a low end running back too i think so as well and the biggest thing so i'll say duke johnson is basically what the other carlos hyde teammate was before carlos hyde came over carlos hyde is just basically switching teams and staying in the same role he was the backup plan with the Chiefs who wasn't going to see a ton of work and it was going to be Damian Williams and now he's behind Duke Johnson in the same role. But the truth is Duke Johnson is kind of similar to Damian Williams in the fact that he doesn't need to be 15 plus carries and five, six receptions. He doesn't need to be a 20 plus touch guy. He can be 12 carries a game and three, four, five receptions a game and fall into that 15 to 17 touch per game and fall into the 15 to 17 touch per game with, like you just mentioned, almost a third of it being receptions is going to have a ton of value in half point PPR and PPR. And Duke Johnson, as has shown in his career is one of the best catching running backs in the NFL. So in a matchup against the saints, which you would assume would involve either a shootout or having to score a decent amount. Duke Johnson, in my opinion, I, I'm with you. I mean, I honestly think Duke Johnson has the potential to finish top 15 this week. Now I'm not going to rank him there, but I think his ceiling is there because I don't think Carlos high is that big of a threat. 
Okay. Uh, who else should we dig into here in the running back rankings that you see? Like, I have Derrick Henry pretty low, and that's sort of like a game flow-based opportunity. Obviously, Derrick Henry is dealing with the calf injury, too, so I don't know if that's going to limit his explosion. Maybe it's not that big of a deal. But I even ranked behind Latavius Murray just because I think Latavius Murray is going to be pretty good. So, And the Miles Sanders thing at 20, I think he's the best of the Eagles. Like, If you told me Miles Sanders had 19 touches this week, like he might be a top 10 running back, but I'm not even convinced that he gets to like 12. No, I, I think that's a legitimate concern. Like Derrick Henry, I'd probably rank higher. I just think if he's healthy, like we've got plenty of time until like you update your rankings. I update my rankings. We have plenty of time until Sunday gets here. We're going to have the Thursday injury reports and all that type of stuff. If he's a hundred percent and they were just playing it safe this entire time, I would rank him higher. He's not a great pass catcher. He's not going to be involved a ton in the passing game, but he's better than people think. He's not, if you go back to the comparison, he's not Gus Edwards. He can actually catch the ball. And if he ever gets in space catching the ball, as we've seen, I mean, he can just go rumbling and nobody's taking him down for 40 yards. So I don't think it's necessarily like, oh my God, I only want him in non PPR. I'm kind of confident. I know the matchup doesn't look great for two reasons is the Browns defense is turning into one of the better units in the NFL. And the Tennessee offensive line is another offensive line that we have to be concerned about because of the loss of Lewin. And, you know, just this offensive line in two short years have gone from one of the best to one of the most concerning. And if the quarterback play is what it's been, the offensive line is concerning and you're facing the Browns who have already shown in the preseason, despite it being vanilla offense and vanilla defense and all that point is they can get after the quarterback and there's a good chance that miles garrett's in the mvp discussion this year so i'd be concerned for that reason but i'd still again if he's 100 percent, i'd still put him higher i just worry that already five and a half point favorites at home the browns if this is just sort of like a showcase for the browns against a tennessee team that might not be as good as they are on paper if they jump out again if this is a game flow situation that i always worry about derrick henry in any game now if the Titans stay in this game, it's because of Derrick Henry. And this goes the complete other way. He rushes the ball 27 times for 192 yards, and this game stays close for the ten where the Titans win. But if it goes the other way and Beckham scores a long touchdown early, it's 14-0 after 10 minutes, then it's just Deion Lewis all the time in that game, at least in my mind. It should be. But, I mean, honestly, this could go either. Like last year, it should have been a hell of a lot more Derrick Henry until the end of the season. We saw how LaFleur screwed this entire offense the entire year. Now it's a completely different offense and system and coaching. So maybe, I mean, I like there's a chance this is a 60, 40 split again, like LaFleur did last year, or it's the fact that Derrick Henry is involved more in the passing game. But as we see on paper and the assumptions should be exactly what you're saying, it should be Deion Lewis. And you know, we've both talked about this. Deion Lewis was one of the most overlooked running backs in drafts because it's not just the fact he should be involved more when they're down and in passing mode, but also Derrick Henry has an injury history. And if Derrick Henry ever misses time, Deion Lewis last year was like a sixth round pick. And all of a sudden people want nothing to do with him. The saving grace, I suppose, is that even last year, the Browns were still 25th in rushing DVOA, that if there is a way to get to them, uh, like to avoid the better parts of like, you know, they have a good pass rush, you want to keep Mariota upright a little bit, that maybe just giving it to Derrick Henry is the move. We'll see, though. I'm just not sold on Derrick Henry, and just because of his inconsistent performance. Like, he could be the number one running back this week, but he could also be a guy who has three points. Like, it's just, he's so tough for me to figure out. He's a real blind spot for me, but just 30th sounds fine. I don't own him anywhere, so if you look, Obviously, if you drafted him, you like him more, so you probably end up playing him. Uh, who else do I have in here? Washington backfield? I have Geis. Oh. I have Geis as the highest, but he's still in the 30s. It's Geis, then Thompson, then Peterson. And then, honestly, if you want, like, the safe seven points, it might be Chris Thompson. 
I was just about to say, uh, so for week one, maybe even week two, I'm Chris Thompson, and I don't want to deal with much else. And I say that because I am one of the biggest supporters of guys. I have him in my top 24 as an RB2 for the season. But like Miles Sanders, I keep saying the same thing. If you draft them and you want that upside and you agree with me, you need to be patient. Like I said with Miles Sanders, that you might want to just wait and let somebody else draft them, deal with the frustration, and then go try to trade for them cheap. Same thing might be for Darius Guys, because especially over the last week, the hype has started to build because people saw him in the preseason. There's been people talking on Twitter that are starting to get on the bandwagon. So he might even be another one that if you haven't drafted, or even if you did, sell high now and then try to go get him back after a few weeks of frustration. <laughs> the upside of Geis is Leonard Fournette as a better pass catcher and honestly as a better running back. If he's 100%, He's not worlds better than Leonard Fournette, but I always have thought he was the better running back than Leonard Fournette coming from the same college, coming from the same college that doesn't pass to running backs, and yet both of them are good pass catchers. Again, Geis being better. The biggest question is, is he 100% and are the Redskins going to use him like he's 100%? We've heard Gruden, but we've heard Coach speak before. He's on the path where he should be Dalvin Cook from last year, that 100% mark, more towards the middle, late portion of this month of September because he's way far ahead of this timeline. And once he's there, he should be the guy. But Chris Thompson's not going to go away completely. So that's why I have him as an RB2. I don't have him as an RB1. For everybody talking about the offensive line stinks and the offense will stink and all blah, 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 blah. Guess what? Saquon Barkley was the almost number one running back in football last year behind a terrible offensive line and in a pretty poor offense. It was in the bottom third of the league. I'm not saying he's Saquon Barkley. And that's the biggest thing. I think everybody's like, oh, he's not. Of course he's not. But I have him as RB24. That's 22 spots behind Saquon Barkley. All he needs to be is an RB2. In these 20s where I have everyone ranked, like I mentioned, Philip Lindsay's number 20, Damian Williams, James White, Marlon Mack. I'm worried about Mack just because they're underdogs in this game, and if they fall behind, we might see a lot of Naheem Hines on the field, and just Mack is not doing anything so that's never a good sign uh but he still has enough upside to keep him up there i might move david montgomery a spot ahead of him duke johnson coleman i'm still a bit worried about breda uh, just a little bit at least as the you know whatever that split ends up being i like coleman better but i do understand that breda could end up i don't want to say with the lion's share but in this game in particular he could end up with a higher snap share more receptions out of the back better pass catcher so i'm worried uh, then you have aaron jones i just really hate the matchup against the bears to be perfectly <laughs> honest we talked about miles sanders latavius murray yeah he's the number two but he's the number two on a team where he's going to get the ball on a high-powered offense then it's henry then it's devin singletary they cut LaShawn mccoy i have gore just outside the top 40 like i like singletary i understand the opportunity is there i'm willing to be wrong about it this week and i'll fully hop on the bandwagon if he's the guy who's always playing but this wasn't an ideal situation for running backs last year. Now, the Bills offense should be a little bit better. Josh Allen should theoretically be better in year two. But I just don't know where, like, the upside all comes in. Like, I would be relying on Devin Singletary as, like, a guy that you need to play every single week, at least for week one, until we see it. Like, I'm not sold. Because if you told me that Frank Gore leads this team with, like, 21 carries or 16 carries, whatever the split might be, I'm not going to be super stunned. No, and I think for the first couple of weeks, I'm pretty much avoiding this if possible. I think it'd be a full-blown committee. And don't forget TJ Yeldon is still on this team. Now, TJ Yeldon is just an average all-around running back, but he's hung around in the NFL as backups, as part of committees for years because, you know what, they can always turn to TJ Yeldon. He's always there. So I, I think the Devin Singletary hype has definitely gotten a little bit out of hand. And, you know, you just saw the fact that LaShawn McCoy getting moved on from this team skyrocketed his value. My home lead auction, he went for $31, and I fell on the floor for that. It was just, like, ridiculous. 
But the biggest thing about Singletary is just everything you just mentioned is Gore is going to be in the mix. TJ Yeldon is going to be in the mix. David Singletary should be the best option and should take over, but it could be a committee for the entire season. And if it's a committee for the entire season with Josh Allen running as much as he does, I mean, you could go back to the Cam Newton situation. Josh Allen's basically Cam Newton, like with actually a worse arm. Not strength-wise, accuracy-wise, which is surprising to say because Cam Newton until last year really wasn't an accurate quarterback. All that point being said is that until he had Christian McCaffrey, and for a little spell there, it was like D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart, but those were the guys. Anytime there was a mix in the backfield, it was you really don't want anything back there because it was just too hard to predict from game to game. I don't like Singletary immediately, and I don't know that I would hold on to him if you're getting offers. Like, people have been tweeting me and saying, should I trade him for Tyler Lockett and Chris Godwin? And so do that immediately. I would sell high. That's a sell high ticket I'm cashing in now. Yeah, like you've basically taken all the upside that comes. He's not going to be a running back one. So if you're getting offered like a mid-tier wide receiver two, that sounds absolutely perfect. Like unless you have some sort of inside source that you know Devin Singletary (laughs) is going to be good. Why play? We know this offense isn't going to be great. So and it's not a situation where they turn around, just hand the ball to the running back like they do in New York with the Giants. So, yeah, like you mentioned, Josh Allen could lead this team in rushing. That wouldn't be super shocking. No, rushing and rushing touchdowns. A few years ago, Kirk Cousins was the leading touchdown rusher for the Redskins. So it's it's definitely feasible for somebody of Josh Allen's running ability. Uh, Before we move on to wide receivers, you have to start one Tampa Bay running back and you can't say no one. I'm starting Peyton Barber. (laughs) I'm starting Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber. Hello, I'm Homestyle Wanna. I love Peyton Barber. I, I there I can't even say anything after that. <laughs> uh would you go Balage or Drake? I'd go Drake. I would still go Drake. I, I, you know my feelings on Balage. It's like Balage has the better athleticism, but he just he doesn't know how to play running back right now. That's something he maybe develops, but we said that about wide receivers like Darrell Green Beckham before. The athleticism doesn't always mean everything. Last thing on running backs. I love Todd Gurley this week. <laughs> okay. Are you gonna, is there like something with that? Yeah, well, there's just there's so much confusion about him. I mean, he's obviously, if you've drafted Todd Gurley, you're playing him. This is more of a DraftKings thing. So I laid out the case on the week one DraftKings show, if everyone wants to go watch that. But there's so much confusion around him. There's so much negativity around him. There's so much unknown around him that if there's ever going to be a week where Sean McVay is like, you know what? Todd Gurley's going to rush for four touchdowns this week. You watch. It's week one when he is completely healthy. <laughs> They're like, screw you guys. He's fine. Or yeah. maybe, look. Hey, maybe all this news is just news and like, well, not even news. It's fake, fake news. news. Maybe, oh, yeah. Maybe Todd Gurley's knee is just something that, hey, he has to deal with for his entire career, but it's not as big as a deal as everybody's making out to be. I mean, there's a scenario where that's true. Uh, I'm with you. I actually think he's a great DFS player. You're going to talk about it on the show as well. So for this week, for your point, if you even two touchdowns, that's what you want. You want two touchdowns at every single position if you're going for the million. Two touchdowns as well within Todd Gurley, especially against the Carolina defense, who is much better than it has been, especially against running the ball. But if you're leaning on Todd Gurley and this offense is going to match, that being the Panthers, having the talent they do to match the Rams, and this ends up being a 35-31 game, it'd be surprising if Todd Gurley did have at least one touchdown. We'll talk about this on some of the live shows. If people don't know, we're going to be live on Sunday morning. Me, Gary, and in the cast, taking your viewer questions. And we'll be live again on Monday morning for the Waiver Wire show and the recaps. So stay tuned on timing for those. Follow me on the Twitter machines. I'll release it on there. Or I'll just say it on a show later in the week. So just you got to listen to everything if you want to know when the shows are. 
I wish I had a better sense of the timing, but I got to line people up here. If Todd Gurley rushes for like three touchdowns in this game, it's like 25 touches, 175 yards, and three touchdowns. Would you sell him right away? <laughs> yes. That kind of feels like the uh, the Adrian Peterson from a few years ago. Remember, it was Adrian Peterson, if he had 20-plus touches, the next game was going to go... <clears throat> like, I, I don't think it'll be that level, but there's nowhere to go from there. Like he's never going to be more than what he is from that game because people are going to say, Oh yeah, this is the Todd Gurley that could be the number one player in all of fantasy. So yes, I, I would probably sell him immediately. Hiring isn't as simple as putting an ad in the paper or posting to a job board. When you're juggling hiring with everything it takes to grow your business, it's important to reach the right candidates at the right time. That's where LinkedIn comes in. Over 6 million members visit LinkedIn to make connections, learn and grow as professionals, and discover new job opportunities. In fact, LinkedIn members add 15 new skills to their profile and apply to 35 job posts every two seconds. That's how they make sure your job post gets in front of people with the right hard skills and soft skills to meet your role requirements. Things like collaboration, work ethic, adaptability. LinkedIn does the legwork to match you to the most qualified candidates so you can focus on hiring the right person who will transform your business. And full disclosure, I've actually got a ton of opportunity through LinkedIn. It's been absolutely fantastic for me personally and my business, Mayo Media Inc. To get $50 off your first job post, go to linkedin.com slash mayo. Again, that's linkedin.com slash mayo, M-A-Y-O, to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. Switching to wide receivers, the guys I'm keeping an eye on from the questionable standpoint, Robbie Anderson with his calf, Kiki Cutie with his ankle, Murray Cooper in the foot, Keenan Allen with his ankle, Sterling Shepard with his thumb, Deshaun Jackson with his finger, DK Metcalf with his knee, Marvin Jones with his knee. All those guys are expected to play at least on Tuesday. We'll update again if that's not working. Uh, AJ Green and Trent Taylor are doubtful. They're probably not going to play. Nikhil Harry was placed on the IR with the Patriots, and Antonio Galloway and Golden Tate are currently suspended. So... Don't play them. Hot takes. It's going to be the only thing I get right this week. Number one in the rankings, I actually have Michael Thomas uh, as the top receiver of the week. Hopkins, Adams, Jones, Odell, Mike Evans, Juju, Thielen, Tyreek Hill, even though he'll be shadowed this week by Jalen Ramsey and Kenny Galladay as my top 10. That goes into Antonio Brown, Keenan Allen, Julian Edelman, Stephen Diggs, Amari Cooper, Tyler Lockett, Chris Godwin, Tyler Boyd, Dee Westbrook, and Brandon. Too many cooks. And that's my top 20. You got a problem with those? Uh, not really. All right, let's go into the 21 to 30s then. Robert Woods, Mike Williams, T.Y. Hilton, Allen Robinson, Alshon Cooper Cup, Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore, Josh Gordon, and Sterling Shepard at number 30. So of those top 30 guys, which ones do you think you have the most concerns about? I would say Josh Gordon's a concern. Just to, like, look, he's looked fine, and he's looked good, and he's coming back. But uh, I just... To put Josh Gordon immediately in my week one line, I know the ups. Josh Gordon's upside is top five wide receiver, but at the same time, it's just the feeling of Josh Gordon in my lineup for week one. Just always, it's going to put a knot in my stomach just to know what's going on because it's not just the off the field problems. I'm not saying he's going to like have an off the field issue during the game, but he's somebody <laughs> that, that's that, that, injury- that, that, that would be very tough for him to have an off field issue during the game. Hey, who is, who is he? Right Jermaine, <laughs> is he Jermaine O'Neal and Ron Artest? He's going to go in the crowd and beat someone up. Would that surprise you? Yes, it would. It would surprise me. <laughs> I don't, would it surprise you if he pulled the Randy Moss and walked off the field? 
Yeah, that would surprise me. It, it, okay. All this stuff would surprise me. I think Josh Gordon's going to be fine. Like maybe twenty nine is an over ranking, but if I drafted Josh Gordon, I'm excited to sh- I'm excited to start him. I do think there's going to be a ton of points in this game, so why not get him out there? No, no, that's what I'm saying. You asked me, do, do I feel like uneasy about anybody? I mean, he's the only one that I feel like uneasy about outside this thirty. Is just it's tough to find anybody to really get that upset about. I I'm not a big fan. Well, how far do we get here? I'm counting one, two, three, four. I know, but on your list, your list doesn't have the numbers next to it. So I was trying to figure out where, what was Josh Gordon? It was 29? Yeah. Okay, so we didn't even get to somebody. No, because I was about to bring up somebody, but he's not in, this, in the top 30. So I'm pretty much still okay with everybody. It's hard to not like a top 30, 35 wide receiver in week one. I mean, pretty much if you draft him, there's a reason you draft him as such. Yeah, I, I would you go more over Samuel because I'm I'm on board with that. I They're both fine. Yes. I have them separated yeah, by like six I, spots, but I like more better. I, I'm still with you on that one. I know some people have started to pivot towards Samuel and the fact is in credit to Matt Harmon and his reception perception, all that type of stuff, but it's, it's really started to balloon his price before now that drafts are pretty much over, but to the point where people are considering starting him in front of DJ Moore, I'm still not going to do it. We could both, you and I both be hundred percent wrong on this. No, but I've always thought I, I don't, I, I can't believe that could be the case. <laughs> Especially together. Did look DJ Moore, in my opinion, was the better prospect coming out of college is the better wide receiver is the better talent for this team. Curtis Samuel, I'm not diminished diminishing what he can do, but I still think DJ Moore is the number one. I'm still going to play DJ Moore over Curtis Samuel, Curtis Samuel leapfrogging for DJ Moore. I understand that's a plausible scenario to a degree, but I'm still taking more. 31 to 40 in the rankings. I got Will Fuller at number 31. By and after that, it's Swatkins, Sammy Watkins, Christian Kirk, Curtis Samuel, Jarvis Landry, Corey Davis, Emmanuel Sanders, Robbie Anderson, Jamison Crowder. So he's inside the top 40, so you probably should pick him up. Dante Moncrief, and then uh, Marvin Jones at 41, Geronimo, Trey Quinn. Pretty decent spot for Trey Quinn, actually. I think like if you're playing like the sleeper game of guys that are relatively unowned, I like Jamison Crowder the best if you need to plug and play. After that, it'd be Trey Quinn, Cole Beasley, Albert Wilson. Those would be my next few guys that I like. And Danny Amendola and Adam Humphreys, for PPR purposes, I think could be fine. And Marquise Goodwin, with all the injuries in San Francisco and the unknowable commodities going on, that he's just a deep shot that could swing a week for you it could be like we, we talk about like zero guys or 20 point guys it feels like he falls into that mix but it's a super high total game like that game is on paper going to be a shootout it, it is honestly to, to be you know how i feel if debo samuel is announced and he's this one of the two starters i love some debo samuel and you know that but to your point especially if you're deep shot to use that and say the deep play and the deep upside of a touchdown is definitely like more so good when I would say if you're doing like your weekly lineups, which I don't know that you have to dig this far in week one, but I feel better about Debo in a PPR than Goodwin in a PPR, but I feel better about Goodwin for DFS and DK lineups and that type of stuff. But in this entire range, all these feel really good. Like Trey Quinn, actually in the waiver column mentioned Paul Richardson. I don't know why more people aren't on Paul Richardson, but I feel better about Paul Richardson once they make the switch to Dwayne Haskins. If you're talking right now for Case Keenum, Case Keenum style, short play, targeting the guys in the short to intermediate area just because he's Case Keenum and can't really do much else anyway fits really well for Trey Quinn I think he's another one like I just did a draft lineup you know while I was sitting there on the couch watching uh, the Notre Dame game last night and I did one and I ended up with Trey Quinn and Paul Richardson I'm like well this one's I'm just lighting money on fire that's way too many Redskins on one team including Darius Geis so I was like screw this but in any case the point being is I like both but for now I like where you have Trey Quinn because I think he fits very well with Case Keenum 
out of this entire range, uh, the only person I'd probably, if I was shooting for upside to bench a, a better name is Jarvis Landry. Uh, only because I think you and I talked about this last week. If we didn't, I did an article on Jarvis Landry talking about it and said that Jarvis Landry for his entire career, surprisingly has been exceptionally productive or, or, or consistent on his target per points basis it's been like 1.4 1.5 1.4 like it doesn't even matter if he scores more touchdowns for some reason the yards come back he's basically how many targets equals how many fantasy points and if he's not getting 120 targets this year and it's a per game basis and it's maybe only six or seven targets without a touchdown he's probably having a pretty quiet day with Odell Beckham and Nick Chubb more out of the backfield and David Njoku to a degree as part of the mix I'm a little concerned about him as well but Jarvis Landry, I think, might be more boomer bust this year than he's ever been before. I can see that. So, I mean, that kind of worries me. It worries me that he plays second field, fiddle to Odell here. Obviously, there is upside with him. I just don't know. It's, again, where it's week one, if you drafted Jarvis Landry, you're probably playing him because you like him more than I did because I didn't end up drafting him anywhere because I thought <laughs> he was a bit overvalued. But he could easily be like a top 20 receiver this year, especially in PPR formats based on his history and based on his profile. But if he starts getting left out as some weeks he's the fourth option because that's what coverage dictates or that's what game flow dictates, I feel like he'll be written out very easily versus someone like Odell. Right. And to look at your rankings, if I'm going for more upside, like I would start Corey Davis for more upside. Definitely Corey Davis could come out with a zero. Uh, and if you're going to tell me number twos, I'm going to take James, or like not Jameson Crowder. I'm going to take Dante Moncrief over Jarvis Landry as a number two, even a PPR. I just think Dante Moncrief, the number two in the Steelers for as long as Moncrief is healthy and in that role, I am starting Dante Moncrief if I have the opportunity. I just like the matchup better. And I think that, well, I do expect a lot of points in the Steelers Patriots game. I just think that the Browns put up a bunch of points here. It's a, it's a good big showcase. Hey, we're the Browns. We're awesome. Look at us. We're Super Bowl contenders. And then things like shit hits the wall and they're not all that great. <laughs> where did you come? Be, where did you become Mr. Narrative? I like it. I mean, I got nothing else. <laughs> like, like I do real research. Give me a break. <laughs> I only got narrative. I only got narrative to go on now. Fair enough. Anyway, if you've saved all this stuff throughout the preseason, like week one, whatever a team looks like in week one, like this happens every year, and we'll talk about it more on like the spread pick show, but it's the best week to pick upsets, and week two is the best week to kind of revert, like don't commit to what you saw in week one and go into the, like address week two like you thought about it going into the season because that opens up a lot of value because there's just weird stuff that happens in week one. Like we have no idea who's good and who's bad. We actually don't, and people forget that every week one. And that's 100% true is we're going off a lot of information and a lot of scenarios that we're making our best educated guesses. That's the truth is we talk about it all the time. Like even the most quote unquote accurate people, like including myself, but like others like John Paulson and Jeff Ratcliffe and all these types, we're 70% at best. Like we're still going to, you know, it's like a third miss of the time just because it's sports. We're trying to predict sports. If we were, it's 70% betting. We wouldn't be doing this show because you and I would be living in Vegas and making bets every single day. 70%. If I could be like 40% in betting, I'd be just out of this world happy. You'll only lose a little bit of my money, not all my money. Uh, there's a, <laughs> would you start Albert Wilson this week? Like, is he, because I saw Jakeem Grant is listed as the outside starter, but that's going to be Preston Williams, right? In Miami? I uh, actually, no, I, th I think it is Jakeem Grant for now. They just gave him that money. I think that was a telling sign. Like, I think right now, the pecking order is like, don't forget Preston Williams kind of had one good showing like the Preston Williams. That's another one. It's this is the preseason hype. People get caught up in all the time. And Preston Williams is a great talent. Great. I, look, I told this, what is it? Two shows ago, three shows ago. Preston Williams had a second, third round, actually more like probably third round 
wide receiver draft grade based on his talent and was in my second tier. That's what I was thinking of one, twos, and threes. And that's where the talent is. He has off the field issues like Antonio Callaway, like you go down this list, like Darren Waller. He's a great player. If he gets out there and he improves and he, you know, gets back to working because he's been without a team, he could turn into a number two for an NFL team. But he's not there yet. And honestly, the pecking order as of today probably is De- Devontae Parker, Albert Wilson, Albert Wilson, and Jakeem Grant, and then Preston Williams. He's not the number three or even number two as of right now. So I think there's definitely upside for it. Talent-wise, he should be the number two. But to your question, one is I would start Albert Wilson, and then two, nobody else. Because I don't know, I don't know that it's him yet. I don't think it is. And I wouldn't be like, listen, I like Albert Wilson, but I would have no confidence that he actually does anything against Baltimore. <laughs> I do think that they will at least yeah, attempt to find matchup. at least attempt to find creative ways to get him involved. He's so explosive that that would make a lot of sense for me. He could pile up a lot of cheap catches on like bubble screens, that kind of thing. And maybe he can break one. All of a sudden he's looking a lot better. There is a range of guys though that I'm very curious about, sort of like the sleeper tier. Like if you play in a deeper league, you mentioned Debo is one of those guys that you don't mind. Jaron Brown was just re-signed by the Seahawks. They put Ed Dixon onto IR, and it was sort of the same move that they made in Cleveland when they cut whoever and resigned whoever uh, after just making a roster move. So Jaron Brown is back. He's likely going to be starting on the outside. So I have him in a range. It's Marquise Goodwin, Jaron Brown, Adam Humphreys, Danny, Am- Danny Amendola, Damian Willis uh, for the Bengals, who should be starting opposite of Tyler Boyd, or at least on the outside, uh, along with John Ross, if Boyd ends up in the slot in a game where they expect to be throwing a lot. So as a flyer, you can do that. Then like Gallup, Sutton, Miller, but Kiki Cutie I have in that mix as if he's going to play. I have no confidence that he's going to make it through a game or even play. So I had to (laughs) rank him down because they don't play until later that you're like, if you leave yourself with only Cutie, you're kind of screwing yourself. So you have to go into the week understanding that I think. Yeah, you'd have to have a backup plan. The biggest thing with QT is not only the fact that you, you, you have the four o'clock game is now there's multiple options. And it's what if Kenny still starts pushing QT for snaps and I'm not saying that should happen or, but you know, there's a chance there when now it's wide receiver two by committee with between fuller stills and QT. And the thing with QT is fuller is actually when they were both healthy together and it wasn't a huge sample. And I know we're looking at back last year and it's again, it's a very small sample, but QT was actually much more productive than fuller was on the games where they both played, which weren't very many. So there's a concern for fuller too, if everybody's healthy. So I got to tell you that if everybody's out there, if QT is playing week one stills is out there and active for week one, despite just coming over this team recently, I don't even know if I feel that great about Will Fuller. It might just be DeAndre Hopkins, Duke Johnson, and Deshaun Watson, and I don't even want anybody else, period. Yeah, and that's actually a Monday night game. It's the first of the Monday night, so you don't even get to cherry-pick some of the Sunday night game at all if this is a decision where all of a sudden he's inactive, which you probably wouldn't know until Monday anyway, unless something comes out beforehand. So it's probably just an avoid for this week. I still like him long-term if he can stay healthy. Any other right. sl- Any other sleeper receivers you want to talk about? From your list, I was kind of like looking down, but it's it's week one. I, yeah. I, I see. You, don't, you don't you, you don't need like I think DJ Chark is an acceptable sleeper just because he's a deep threat in a game that is the highest projected on the slate. Yeah, and I actually think he's going to end up being the number two for them this year. Uh, I, they have a lot of options there, so that wouldn't surprise me if he's just in a mix and frustrating every single week. But all that being said, like I said, I still think he turns into the number two. Tyrell Williams, if you're look Tyrell was a fun play when he was with the chargers. And now he's the number two in the Raiders offense where if Antonio Brown's getting the intention and maybe Antonio Brown isn't a hundred percent up to game speed because he spent so much time dicking around with the helmets. Like maybe 
I'm just saying you're 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 divot. That's a narrative for you. You're, you're digging into hopeful upside here. Maybe Tyrell Williams can do one of his 40 yard catches for a touchdown. I mean, outside of that, I just I don't want to jump into this range. Not for week one, please. Not for week one. Although I, I will say this, I'm surprised John Brown's as low as you have him. I, I like Cole Beasley this week. I think there was I a still, lot. I do, but I still like lot. John Brown better than that. It's a home run shot is what you're taking with John Brown. And if it turns out to be Isaiah McKenzie who ends up sneaking behind the defense, then it's nah. him. It could be. I think John Brown's going to see the most the most snaps of all the wide receivers, him and Beasley. I think they, I think they're locked in as the number one and number two. And to be honest with you, John Brown, looking at this, I would take John Brown over the number three despite being on the Browns. And like you just mentioned that, I would actually – I would take John Brown before De- Devontae Parker on the Dolphins. All right, would you go John Brown or Tyrell Williams then? <sighs> I'd probably go Tyrell. All right, I'll put him in there between. But barely. Ty- uh, that's, that's, Tyrell, that's a Tyrell Williams, me. John Brown, and Devontae Parker. I do like Cole Beasley this week. I mean, not to be. I'm not disagreeing like, with you. Like eight for 60, Cole Beasley. That, that sounds like a They're good both one. in the waiver column. I said John Brown can easily lead this team in yards and touchdowns, and Cole Beasley could be receptions and probably right neck and neck with John Brown in yards. I think both of them are being overlooked. Would you start Geronimo Allison or Marquez Valdez Scantling? I've been team, quote-unquote, team Geronimo this entire offseason, but it wouldn't surprise me if Marcus Valdez-Scantling outproduces him. And it wouldn't surprise me if they kind of just battled back and forth for the entire year. I think it might almost come to the point where we start to learn by week three, four, five, somewhere around there, as it starts to become matchup-based of, hey, this defense is more exploitable over the middle of the field. This one's more exploitable deep on their outside corners. And that's how we start playing the matchups between Allison and Valdez-Scantling because they're both talented. If you told me one that I wanted the reliable option, in the past it has been kind of that slot Randall Cobb role. And a Geronimo Allison being locked into that role, I feel better about. But, again, this is LaFleur now trying to run this offense. And, again, there's no chance that, you know, Rodgers and him are on the same page for the entire season. But I think this might be – for now it's Allison, but it wouldn't surprise me if we have to go back and forth every single week. Yeah, I'm in on Allison over MVS as well, at least for week one. Quarterbacks, I have Deshaun Watson as number one. The only injury that I'm looking out for is Cam Newton's foot, but it looks like that's not going to be that big of an issue. So Watson against the Saints is number one. Uh, then I have Patrick Mahomes at number two, despite the rougher matchup. Jameis Baker. Why do you hate Patrick Mahomes? I know. Baker, Wentz, <laughs> Breeze, Cam, Lamar Jackson, Kirk Cousins, Ben Roethlisberger, then Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, Mitch Trubisky, Dak Prescott, Matt Stafford, Kyla Murray, Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Foles as my top 20 this week at quarterback. Uh, We never spend a whole lot of time talking about QBs, tight ends, or defenses, honestly, because you have your guy, you're going to start your guy. If everyone ever wonders why we don't like hammer down on quarterbacks, but uh, (laughs) maybe we'll just, for the season, maybe we'll try to workshop this a little bit. You know, you're going to start the guys that you start. If you're in some of these, like, streaming matchups or you had two guys that you needed to start obviously the rankings do help out with that at least for from my perspective but do you feel like there are guys that are overranked or underranked here not really in yours i mean to be honest with you i was looking down the list and i'd probably have josh allen a little bit higher um only because one it's a good matchup and then we go back to what we've talked about before the final five weeks last year he was qb1 not just qb1 and like he played five games and somebody else played four it was qb1 overall and qb1 in points per game and he didn't even throw for more than 231 yards because he runs so much because he is cam newton so it's what I've said before. I don't like Josh Allen as a passing quarterback. I've been one of the biggest, everybody is. I'm not the only one. Nobody likes his accuracy and his decision-making. But that being said, he just has to be mediocre, and he's going to be in the top 10 every single week, every single week, because 
even if he takes a step back from last year, I'm going to compare it to somebody that we used to talk about a lot back in the day is Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor, for the one season where he was rushing about 40 yards a game, it's a free touchdown every single week. And he was the only quarterback that season to have 15 plus fantasy points per game. In every single game, that included Andrew Luck, that included Aaron Rodgers, included everybody. He was the only one. That rushing upside is just so hard to overlook, in my opinion. And I hate Josh Allen as the quarterback, but I love him as the fantasy player. It's funny you mentioned the free touchdown per game, the 40 yards. So if you play standard scoring, you get the the rushing points. So it's a free four that you start off with the equivalent of a passing touchdown. But what people don't factor in to that is if you have a rushing quarterback who's taking off that often, and people factor this in with Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson because they run so much, is that you also have to factor in some rushing touchdown upside along with those rushes as well. Because if they start calling their own number, then all of a sudden it's not a free touchdown on the ground. It could be like a touchdown and a half baseline free because they're going to rush for six over the course of the season. Yeah, that's a, it's a good point. I mean, if you look at Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott's been a QB one for the past how many years? Because every single year he rushes for six touchdowns. And again, it's six out of 16 games. So he's trying to predict when those happen. But to your point, which is a really great point, if you're getting that four points free touchdown floor, guessing which games are the rushing touchdowns going to get, it doesn't really matter because that's just bonus. They, like you're going for the floor of that free passing touchdown, let alone the six point rushing touchdown, which is, as you mentioned, now a passing and a half touchdown. And that's even before we get to the upside of what the passing might be, even if it is only 220 yards, a touchdown and two picks. Are you, are you worried like me that Kyler Murray is going to make us look foolish in week one? I have him at number 19. Uh, No, because I would have him higher than that. How high would you have him? I would have Kyler Murray. I'm trying to, okay, hold on. Let me go back to your Kyler, Kyler Murray or Josh Allen. Ah, Funny. That's like picking. That's Sophie's choice, man. Why, why you gotta do that to me? Uh, I go with Josh Allen just because he's been in the league, and there's so much that we don't know. Again, they didn't show us much because they're not going to show us much of Kingsbury's offense. But I give Josh Allen the slight edge. But I would take. I would still start Rodgers. I know it's not a great matchup against the Bears. Obviously, I would start Rodgers in front of both of them. Who you have in front of both of them? But looking at that list. I, like I just don't feel that great about Kirk. Like I would almost drop Kirk Cousins completely. I, I, f- I feel him. really good about Kirk Cousins. Why? Because I think Kirk Cousins is like all right for one thing, and it's still against Atlanta. I expect this to be a high shootout. Like, I like Ryan and Kirk Cousins this week. Like, if you're looking for a stackable game on DraftKings, like, that just, could be the look, one. I still have Kirk Cousins passing for more than he did down the stretch last year, but to go to that like that last five game thing and all that yeah, type well, of stuff well, again. Well, let's let's play narrative for a second then. All right. So if okay. we get into a situation where even like baseline that you say the Kirk Cousins, you have projected for more than he did down the stretch last season when the Vikings were terrible. How about Mike Zimmer? We don't do that again. We go back to what was working at the beginning of the year, which was Kirk Cousins passing all the time. No, but it was working at times. It just, it's, it's finding that balance. My point was that it's finding the balance between how pass heavy they were and how run heavy they were at the end of the season. And that's why for the year, for my year long projections, I have Kirk Cousins less than a typical season when he's going pass happy, but more, a lot more than what he is at the end of the year. All that being said, I still think it's going to be a more balanced approach. Kirk Cousins doesn't run. Kirk Cousins could easily go out and have, you know, 250 and one touchdown I'm just I'm just down on Kirk Cousins as a whole this year mostly because I'd rather go for Josh Allen Lamar Jackson Kyler Murray all the running guys 
I'd rather even go for Mitch Trubisky, who people don't realize is actually more like you want to talk about Tyrod Taylor. He's the one that's most like Tyrod Taylor because he only runs about 30, 40 yards a game. Like, I just would rather go for that than Kirk Cousins, who isn't going to run the ball. I need him to throw for 302. Wish Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins went 5 4 4 in rushing touchdowns. Only one last year. You got to start calling your own yeah. number again, Kirk. Prop up that fantasy value for yourself. He doesn't need to anymore because he's got a legitimate running back in offense. It, it, back when he was with the Redskins, he was the lead running back. Uh, I just look at him 30 passing touchdowns last year, one rushing that against this Atlanta team that's going to put up points that I feel like it keeps them in the air long enough. Not to say that like Dalvin Cook's not going to be good, but he can do stuff out of the backfield as well. That I, I like Kirk Cousins here. Hey, look, that's fine. If you, if you do, I don't. That's uh, that's just the difference. Do I have Goff too low against Carolina? I don't think so. You know how I feel about Jared Goff. I'm not the biggest fan. I want to see Jared Goff. I want to be proven wrong. Legitimately, I do. I want to be proven wrong because I own Brandon Cooks and I own Cooper Cup because I love Cooper Cup as the player. And I hope Todd Gurley's healthy, obviously. That's a completely separate sidebar there. But I hope Daryl Henderson turns into Chris Thompson because I love Daryl Henderson. I hope I'm wrong about Jared Cook, but I can't get past the fact that it wasn't just the loss of Cooper Cup. It was the report that I brought up on your show before that I brought up time and again. It wasn't my report. But there was a report that defenses started masking their coverages until the headset clicked off and Sean McVay couldn't tell Jared Goff, hey, this has changed. This is what you need to look for. And after that point on, all the way through the rest of the season, all the way into the playoffs, all the way through the Super Bowl, Jared Goff was miserable. His numbers from a touchdown percentage to throwing completions, like all his numbers are almost cut in half, the touchdowns mostly. But the yardage was like down by 33 35%. So it's all that I want to see Jared Goff. I want to see that Sean McVay help coach him up this offseason to understand like what he needs to do when Sean McVay can't tell him what to do. And if so, yeah, yay, Rams offense, yay, Jared Goff. But I need to see it first. To your point before about seeing some things in week one, one of those things is going to be holding back on Jared Goff. From those bottom 10 quarterbacks, if you were thrust into a situation for whatever reason. Oh, there's an easy option. There's an easy answer. Is it Jacoby Brissett? Yes, 100% is Jacoby Brissett because he runs and he doesn't run a ton, but but he runs and all this talk about he's been working in the film room. He's been like wanting and wanting and wanting to get better. And to compare the two teams from the last time he started, this offensive line is worlds better than it was back in the day. He didn't have Mac, Hines, Funches, Campbell, Deion Kane. He didn't have Jack Doyle, or he had Jack Doyle, but he didn't have Eric Ebron. He's got more weapons, a real offensive line, a balanced team. Uh, Jacoby Brissett would be my easy flyer from that group. Okay, let's move on to tight ends. We got Jordan Reed and Matt Lacoste, the Lacostitute, both as banged <laughs> up with a concussion and an ankle. Probably going to end up playing, but we'll see. Trey Burton uh, looking doubtful for Thursday night. Uh, he hasn't played all in the preseason. He still isn't practicing yet. He might end up playing, but don't expect that right now. Chris Herndon, the fourth, the Silva Spooner, and Ben Watson both suspended to begin the year. Kelsey at number one, then Kittle, then Ertz. Big shocker. Then it's Ingram, Howard, and Henry. Big fun. Uh, the guest ranking has Jared Cook at number seven. Uh, uh. Then Vance McDonald, David Njoku, and Delaney Walker is the top Well, hold on, timeout. You got to get that off there. That's not guest rank Jake Seeley for Jared Cook because I've always been – you know this. I hate Jared Cook. That might be – you hate Mark Ingram. I might hate Jared Cook more than you do. You can't – that's guest rank fantasy pros. That's not Jake Seeley. No, no. We, we were, just, we're just trolling you at this point. That's the fun part. <laughs> uh, after that, uh, I have Austin Hooper, Eric Ebron, Jeff Swaim, Tyler Eifert, Jack Doyle, Greg Olson, Mark Andrews, Kyle Rudolph, Dallas Goddard, Jordan Reed, if he plays, I guess. But if Jordan Reed doesn't play, would you pump up Vernon Davis at all? 
or do we just fall no, for this trap all the time? 100%. Fernand Davis is, was remarkably quite good and efficient in his time of replacing Jordan Reed. Like if you look at Vernon Davis last year, he had quite a few good games. I, I think that Vernon Davis is a legitimate person that, hey, maybe your pick bombed. Maybe something's gone wrong already. I, I don't know. Maybe you drafted Herndon really early and you don't even have somebody and you're kind of searching for the option. If Jordan Reed's out, I, I would almost – Anytime Jordan Reed is out, I would almost consider Vernon Davis probably a top 15, if not top 12 tight end. Are you with me with take a flyer on Jeff Swaim if you have a bad tight end? I think that Jeff Swaim's a good one. I actually have all this list too. There's not many that I have a problem with. I like Jeff Swaim. I think he's going to be an integral part of that offense. But mine is I would have Mark Andrews in the, the tight end one conversation. Oh, fuck Mark Andrews. This, this guy is because- awful. Like, listen, if he ends up playing, if he ends up catching like an 85 yard touchdown, that's great. But if you're trying to like, like people are drafting him, like he's like a legit tight end one when he plays like 50% of the snaps. Okay. First of all, it's the comparison of Vance McDonald, Vance McDonald. We had that whole report that, Oh, the snaps aren't going to go up. It doesn't matter because when Vance McDonald is out there and is going to the snaps, it's because he's going into the passing plays. Mark Andrews, it's a little bit more than like just 50%. But yes, he is that good. He is just a pure pass catching tight end who is going to be out there and use like Vance McDonald is, is when he's on the field, he's running routes. And when he's running routes, he's going to find Lamar or Lamar Jackson is going to find him. He's going to be that option. Mark Andrews, we'll make our friendly bet today. Mark Andrews will finish as tight end 11 or 12 this year. So he finishes a tight end one is what you're saying, Mark Andrews. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely yes. take the the over of like, he'll be like tight end 19, tight end 20. I don't think he's bad. I agree with you on the skill, but the main difference between Vance Refrigeration and Mark Andrews right now is one has big band thrown in the ball. The other one is Lamar Jackson. And that's fair, but also let's talk about the offensive options here is Lamar Jackson starting with Miles Boykin, a rookie. Marquise Brown, a rookie who hasn't been on the field and is battling Willie Sneed right now, who is... Willie Sneed, and then, okay, Justice Hill's mixed in with Mark Mark Ingram, but it's pass-catching running backs. He, Mark Andrews, for all intents and purposes right now, is probably a second-best pass-catcher not out of the backfield. Yeah, that's probably still not a great thing in this Baltimore offense. That's just going to run, 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 run. Nah, Lamar Jackson, people are way too down. Lamar Jackson's going to throw for over 3,000 yards and throw for 20-plus touchdowns. All right, we'll see. We'll see about that one. So other than that, you like Andrews as a flyer. I like Swim yes. as the like they're they're the waiver wire guys that you can go pick up and plug in if you want. And Darren Waller. If you, like the, and the, Darren the, Waller. The, I, I'm Broncos, a 21. Okay, I, I would put him a little bit higher. With the Broncos deficiency and de- de- defending tight ends last year, that area of their defense really hasn't improved that much. And I know that's speculative to say that's going to be an exploitable situation. It could flip. They could be like nobody scores against them when it comes to tight ends. But Waller is that's go back to our conversation from way earlier of a talent who had off the field problems and Waller could be used in this game could sneak into the, t- in the end zone. I, this is just flyer territory. I'm not like go start Darren Waller. Yeah, it's probably pretty unnecessary going into week one because you drafted a tight end. That's likely who you're going to start in week one. Now, there's some crazy people out there playing in two tight end leagues, like two catcher leagues. They, those people need to give their heads a shake. I know. Derek Van Riper is one of the ones that leads one of those leagues. Ah, Derek, DVP, give your head a shake, pal. Two tight ends leagues. Well, that's worse than playing fucking IDP leagues. Ugh. Supposed to be, <laughs> this is supposed to be fun, not a hassle, by the way. Isn't that's it? Why I agree with you. Like, I agree oh. with you 100%. Two, two right. tight end leagues, I hate them. Hate them. Well, let's play in three kicker leagues. Two tight ends, three kickers, eight defenses. One kicker, period. You know how this that, that's already out the window. Defenses to close this out. I got Baltimore at number one against Miami, uh, Philadelphia, Dallas, Seattle, Nolens, 
just because of the sack potential in that game. Deshaun Watson might, th- they might score 35 points, but he might get sacked 25 times. So I'll take New Orleans there. Uh, Denver, the Jets, Buffalo, the Bears, the Lions at number 10. Uh, I think of all like the available ones that you could stream. You should have set yourself up for this if you haven't done your draft yet. I like Philly for week one. Obviously, Baltimore is going a bit higher. You mentioned Dallas with three straight to begin the season as a nice pickup. Then we got the Browns, the Chargers, the Chiefs, the Buccaneers, the 49ers. I just think there's going to be a lot of passing in that game, so good things can happen. Uh, Rams, Vikings, Patriots, Raiders, Packers is what I'm getting up to here. But Detroit is the one. I think if you can just take a shot against Kyler Murray and it turns out like he's a disaster in week one, that could be a lot of fantasy points. So you want to know what the interesting thing here is? You talk about the streaming defenses, and I was looking at it. Seattle is fewer than 60% owned. How is that possible? Less than... I think that's the one. I don't know if that's a less fewer situation. I don't know. I always do it backwards anyway, just on purpose at this point. <laughs> okay. Or just, so, I don't even try. I just try to mess. That's why I was saying like fewer and not quite, like, I just, I, I, it's so complicated that to know is fewer or less than or not as much. Like, it's just, that's the fun of it. It doesn't, I always try to like, how, how does it sound? And usually if it sounds right, it's probably the wrong one. <laughs> exactly. That's a stupid English language. Like, I just, I don't know why, but like, why are we dropping letters when we make at like, why is management and we change letters and add them and take them away and stuff like, stop. This is why people can't learn the English language. So anyway, I have Seattle number one because they're not 60% owned, which is just shocking to me. I, I forget, throw yours back up there. I was trying to look at yours and look at your rankings again at the same time. And I was trying to, I forget, I closed the page because there we go. Yay. See, like I got the request. Okay. That, I was curious because where you had the Cowboys, because I had the Cowboys ahead of Denver and so do you. So we're on the same page. Yeah, I just think it's a great situation, especially if they can pop up early in that game. Barkley will get his, but like question marks after that. Yeah, big question marks after that. Uh, for the funny thing is, is some of these are actually above 60% owned. And I actually, I have the Chiefs at number five, just because in case they force that momentum and then they, Nick Foles, you know, doesn't look as great as he did in week three of the preseason, throws a couple picks. Anytime you have the Chiefs defense force in this situation, they're not a great defense, but this is kind of like the, the Eagles from years past. So the Eagles can end up as a top five defense despite being one of the worst on the field defenses because of the turnovers. Yeah. I think that's the thing that people constantly get confused. We've talked about this a lot that just because you're a real life, good defense doesn't make you a good fantasy defense. And just because you're a shitty real life defense doesn't mean you can't be a really good fantasy <laughs> defense either. You just want to attack passing volume. If you're going to go up against a team that's going to pass around 40 times a game, that's more opportunities for sacks, which leads to more pressure, which leads to mistakes, which leads to fumbles and turnovers, which could lead to touchdowns. That's what you're looking for out of a fantasy defense that's that, that's that's my thesis statement you know what i don't even need a body of that essay that's all you need to know <laughs> you don't need uh like roman numeral one two three and a and b and underneath and then your summary and conclusion you don't need all that jake i barely graduated from college all right <laughs> that i don't even remember how any of this stuff works i i write about <laughs> fake football for the internet so i don't even Wait, wait hold on. i was just about to say we both write for part of our jobs <laughs> don't remember the majority of that nonsense if people have ever read me they know i can't structure a sentence properly basically i just use dragon dictation and speak it into a phone and then just have it <laughs> spit out what it has You're like your grammar is off it's like i don't care it's the internet uh, you should put it like grammarly and then you get like those 47 red oh alerts you can't, can't have that that would just like make my mind explode anyway <laughs> anything else you want to talk about week one wise uh, no, I mean, we really covered everything. Trust who you draft. I know you said draft capital doesn't matter now, obviously, for starting trades and stuff like that. But generally, if you drafted somebody the first five rounds, don't overthink it. 
Yeah, no, I'm with you on that front. I mean, Damian Williams is really the only one that you can really only kind of one. point to that, you know, st- unless someone's circumstances have changed, then you need to rethink a situation. But yeah, don't be like, oh, you know, as a great matchup, damn Danny Amendola, I'm going to bench Odell Beckham. It's like, well, what are you talking about? I remember someone asked me that one time. Who the hell was it? It was Travis Benjamin, actually. Remember when he returned that, <laughs> that like two weeks for the Browns when he was awesome? Someone was like, should I start? Travis Benjamin or Kelvin Johnson. I was like, just start Kelvin Johnson. Man. Like, what are you talking about? And Travis <laughs> Benjamin outscored him that way. He's like, see, you don't know anything. It's like, well, you know, if I make this decision every single week, I'm going to be right. That's the only way that you can really play this. You're, no, that's the biggest thing that we joke about it, but for new people or inexperienced players, I mean, that's, that's the truth of it. You look, it's not going to be right. hundred percent of the time, because if it was right. hundred percent of the time. Why we would even play the game. We just let the situation take care of itself. But the decision despite the result might not always working is still the right decision. Trust the process. Trust the process. You're the Sam Hankey of fantasy analysis. <laughs> so Jake, you'll have your, when's your waiver wire column come out like Monday afternoon, midnight, Monday, oh, everything's midnight, mi- Monday, mi- midnight for waivers, Tuesday, midnight for rankings, Wednesday, midnight for matchup rankings. And then touch it. We adjust it as you do update the rankings on Thursday, Friday, not Saturday, but Sunday all the way up into kickoff. All right, and you can find all of that at theathletic.com. You follow Jake on Twitter, at Allenkin. What's the name of the new pod now? You changed the name? Yeah, it's The Throwback, which is also now also available on iTunes and Spotify, including my Allen Sports one. And then the ranking show comes out this week as well, also on The Athletic and iTunes and Spotify. So tons of stuff going over there. And then likely next week is when the new show starts, which is going to be the best of all. I like it. It's going to be even better than your one with Meanie? Yeah, of course. Oh, wow. Shots fired at Meany, who's now officially of the Athletic. I saw that this yes. morning on Twitter. So Full shout time. out, shout out at Chris Meany. Go give him a follow as well. Hopefully, I can wrangle him into studio. He lives like right next door, so that should actually work out quite well for me. Uh, the schedule for the year, tentatively, because you know, we're week one's a bit jumbled because we did DraftKings last week. But Monday morning live waiver wire show, Tuesday afternoon rankings with Jake, Wednesday morning picks with Cust and Jeff. I flopped the DraftKings show and the pick show for this year, so. DraftKings picks will be Thursday morning for the main slate. We'll hope to get some showdown in there. UFC show will be coming out. Golf show will be on Tuesday mornings for DraftKings. We'll have a re-up on Friday, recapping the Thursday game, updating the injuries and the rankings and the spreads. Hopefully we'll get Dr. Jesse Morse on the line to talk about those injuries. I always like to hear his input uh, on what I'm seeing coming into the weekend. Just a nugget or two could be the biggest difference, especially on the DraftKings slate. Then we'll be live on Sunday morning, either 9 or 9.30 a.m. Eastern time. We'll try to figure that out. That'll be me, Cust, and Gary and Thorne. And we'll be taking your questions, previewing all the games, giving you the latest updates, everything like that. Plus, we'll have, like, challenge recaps. A lot of PME coming out. So if you want to get into a draw for 20 DK bucks, subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience Atio podcast. Leave a five-star review. DraftKings handle something you like about the show. Follow me on Instagram at the PME. Heart one of them football photos. Leave your DraftKings handle. Or if you smash the like button for the video, leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section and tell me where you would rank Tony Pollard this week. If we know that Ezekiel Elliott is not playing for PPR purposes, you'll be in a draw for 20 DK bucks. Like I mentioned, Gup's Corner, play in the PME DraftKings League. Subscribe to Fantasy National. If, you, if you're into golf, it'll help you win. That's about it. Week one's here. This is the best time of the year. So get excited. Go in some bucks in week one, and I'll see you next time. Experience! Experience!